0: We want to start with a little uh, video, uh, PowerPoint, on uh, what it is I'm trying to do. And uh, you might have wondered, what, what's he trying to do? So I want to give you what I call the uh, arbor analogy. Uh, a sermon should give my life something to grow on and develop. And as we go to the next slide, we'll see an arbor. Now. First of all, so you don't ask me after the service uh, let me see if I get this right. This guy right here will turn 17 next Sunday. This <laughs> It will also will also be the 57th anniversary of me meeting Pam. And having our first date. This guy just won for the county he's in in Maryland for his weight class, the top wrestler. <laughs> wrestler, wrestler. And this guy has two other brothers. Now, the point here is this is an arbor that the grapevine is growing on, and a sermon. Doctrinally should give the saints an arbor for their life to grow on. It gives some structure. So if we go to the next uh, uh, picture, there should be, there he is, he's kind of smiling. You see my Jack Russell over here, uh, Rudy. Now let's go to the next uh, shot. It should be, yes. Okay, now you see this, you build a big arbor, you want a big life, a little life. You want to be a little believer or a big believer. You want to have a lot of structure and power or you just want to get by. Hang on by my nails, you know, just, oh, we're making it. Or you really want to be living in, in victory. Well, I, I'm voting on the victory side. And uh, so we build an arbor that's providing lots of growth area uh, in in my life. The next slide will tell you My life will take the shape of the structures of my inner life. And so I'm careful what I put in. Above all, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Garbage in, garbage out. What we put in our inner life is going to come out in the decisions that we make. This verse of scripture, Proverbs 4.23. If any verse of scripture I've ever used in helping people get on the growing side, it's this one. There are a lot of other ones. This, this is something you can take to the bank. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it, out of that inner life, comes the structure and the decisions that, that we'll make. So what are we doing in the releasing of the Word of God? We are helping the saints of God to build a structure in their life for their life to grow on spiritually and give structure and definition to what we're about. Okay, thanks to the tech guys for the PowerPoint. Appreciate that very much. So, we have seen Moses at the burning bush. We've talked about God's timing in the clock. We've seen uh, God is at home. Moses thought he was alone for all these years. He wasn't alone, the Lord was there all the time. We've talked about the attractiveness of God, the beauty of God, how God attracts us and draws us to himself. We've looked at fire there are things that belong out of our life and our life purified and the fire of god uh, accomplishes that and does that we've talked about uh, god's brain that that when god saw and called to moses and said these are the these are the words associated with a person who understands what's going on and moses knew his name was called he had an identity he had a meaning and his meaning was related to his relationship to God, and Moses had knowledge, we have knowledge, he had knowledge of God, he had knowledge of himself, and he has knowledge of, of other people. So, the beliefs about the person of God are so critical to the growth of our life, they're like the forms that we pour our life into. And um, a lot of us create problems for ourselves by wrong thinking about God, wrong thinking about ourselves, wrong thinking about other people. And that brings me to years ago, on family radio, uh, Dr. Earl Rodmacher, who either was or had been at one time the president of Western Conservative Baptist Seminary in Portland, Oregon, did a series of messages just called Right Thinking. We would listen to them on Monday nights when I was in Bowie, Maryland, pastoring. And then Wednesday night, we would use that for the basis of our discussion and our Bible study before prayer meeting. Um, I have that series of tapes, but it is in... Thank you. I got that series of tapes by tracking down... Years after he did these sermons, Dr. Rodmacher and um, told him who he was or why I was calling him. And he said, You know, I, I have a collection of those cassettes. So I bought them, I got them, and they are in my garage. Now we turn to the sixth disclosure about the character of God, and that is his distance. Um, the Lord calls to Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And he apparently was moving toward the bush. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Now imagine that. Someone calls to you. Hey, hey, Marty, you know. Marty starts coming to you. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't come, don't come too close. This is just kind of a funny scene. He's called by name. He starts to come over. (laughs) Wait a minute, just stop. Take shoes off. Place your standing is holy ground. The whole idea of this calling, and then, wait a minute, don't come any closer, is just laced with meaning. It's a picture of the distance of God, the otherness of God. And uh, I must confess that to talk about this in our culture is a little difficult because there are many people, people who have the view that God is in glory and he has nothing to do. And he's just doting on anybody who will give him the slightest attention. It's almost like a 14-year-old boy who's got a crush on a 16-year-old girl. And if she even looks at him, you know, he pays rapt attention. Um, well, I don't think that's what's going on here and I don't believe that the Lord is in a posture that's like that, Uh, the holy ground, the sandals, the don't come near, they, they all boil down to explaining the distance of God, his separateness, his specialness, his transcendence. And there are two words that come out of this picture. The word servanthood and transparency. God's distance means servanthood for us and transparency for us. Now first, the servanthood. Take your shoes off. Well, when, uh, when Moses was told to take his shoes off, God was establishing that Moses was a servant. Servants didn't wear shoes. That's the whole meaning behind Luke 15 when the prodigal son comes home and his dad says, get him a pair of shoes. He was elevated from servant to son. But God wanted to make it very, very clear that Moses, while he had an important mission to fill, we'd all agree with that, he's a servant. It shows the distant dignity of God and the servanthood of Moses. Now, he calls it holy ground. The word holy is used 611 times in the Bible in 544 different verses. This is the first occurrence in the Bible of the word holy. Now, we live in a culture that the word holy is almost a bad word or to even talk about Holiness, but get used to it because holiness is a big deal with God. (laughs) Um, Encountering the holiness of God prompts us to take a posture of of servanthood. And um, Moses was being taught this, that what God says is to be done, it's important, this is special the whole idea of servanthood is taken up many times by Jesus. And in Matthew 20, um, you have the story of a lady coming and asking for Jesus to elevate the position of her sons to positions of prominence. And Jesus goes on in that, uh, Matthew 20, to say, you know, the Gentiles, in their leadership model, they rule and lord things over people. And we've all worked for people who who treated the employee that way, of lording over, of, of not really um, working like a team or whatever, the lording over of authority. Jesus says, it's not to be so among you, and he gets down around verse 26 of Matthew 20, it will not be so among you. Whoever will be great among you will be your minister. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. So the whole idea of servanthood comes out of our connecting with God, and he's the one who tells us, take your shoes off. So we take our shoes off. Um, There are all kinds of applications for this great truth. Servanthood is not the outcome of some program. It's It's not anything other than the result of a relationship with God. God turns us into servants before him. And so, I teach about this, I talk about it, I try and practice it in my life. Uh, you, might, you might wonder uh, what I thought when I got the call, would, would I consider going to a Warren Alliance? Well, yes, I certainly would consider, because I work for God on a need-to-know basis, and there is so much... I don't need to know, and without any offense to you, there are a lot of things you don't need to know either, life just gets on a lot better if we see what's put in front of us and ask the Lord, is this, is this the way or not? And then we get an answer and we, we just proceed, again, on a need-to-know basis. Um, my father in law taught me about need to know. The day we got engaged, he took a guy, he said to this young kid, Do you like to shoot a gun? Ooh, would I like to shoot a gun? Okay, here are the shells, we'll get the shotgun. We're going out in the backyard. Checks the time. I said, Okay, let him go. Bang! 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 Okay, put the gun away. I was proposing to Pam over the valley at a certain time. So we wanted a little celebration. The guy that shot the gun didn't need to know what he was doing. Dutch knew what he was doing. I knew what he was doing. And then Pam heard, what's all the noise? Well, you just got asked to marry me. So we don't need to know everything. We just do what we're asked to do. And it all came out really quite well. So we teach this. We try and model this in our life. And when we worship God, when we rehearse who he is and what he's done for us, this refreshes the whole servanthood of our life. Servanthood is born out of a worship of God, and it's fueled by the worship of God. That's why worship is so important. If I wanted to do something to suck the life out of the Christian community, I'd shut down worship. Or I would do to it all I could to interfere with it. Like, don't sing loudly. What? When I heard that, don't sing loudly, I was in my Peterbilt, and I must have been listening to gospel music. I was. And they were singing a song about Jesus coming. And I had the windows down in my Peterbilt, and I was sitting at a traffic light there was a pickup truck kind of in front of me with the windows up. Well, it must have been loud because the guys put the window down in the pickup truck and were going like this. They got the message, (laughs) don't don't sing loudly. (sighs) Give me a break. Anyway, worship, worship starts the servant experience. And worship fuels the servant experience. Every time we worship the Lord, we're reminded we're serving Him. We are serving Him. Now, uh, I have a passage of Scripture in later in Exodus, from chapters 19 to 31. I preached from for 16 months. Every Sunday, except... Holy Communion Sundays, when I preach communion messages. This passage of Scripture explains how the covenant relationship between God and His people work, explains the covenant. And I thought, well, the children of Israel were punished by building pyramids, so I'll use a pyramid to describe this covenant, how it works. The first level of pyramid is relationship. God explains to his people how they got into a relationship with him. We don't explain how we got into a relationship with God. God tells us how we got into a relationship with him. The second level is morality. We have a relationship. We have a certain morality that we live. Ten commandments. The next level is society. The Ten Commandments are applied to society. So when you hear somebody say, well, this is my private life and this is my public life. There is no difference between the private life and the public life of a Christian or of God's people. The morality we have as an individual is applied to society. The next level of the covenant is um, the ratification of it, where we say, yeah, I'm all in on this. I believe this. This is what I understand. This is how I'm going to live. Then the top level of the pyramid is about worship. More information is about worship than anything else in the pyramid. Worship is the thing that keeps it all together. And if you just visualize the pyramid, you build a pyramid and it has no top on the thing falls apart. Water gets down, it just tears the whole thing up. So worship is the thing that keeps the covenant in place. The relationship, the morality, the society, and the ratification of it. It's, it's all right there. So servanthood is the essential commodity that we take away from the burning bush encounter between God and Moses. And it's the answer answer to the labor shortage in the church, an encounter with God turning us into servants. Now, the presence of God in the holy ground Makes everything in life different for the child of God. It made for Moses and does for me. It makes our marriages different. It's called holy matrimony. Uh, last week I gave a little commercial for St. Valentine. Before next Valentine's Day, I'm going to try and do research on the real St. Valentine. I, I've done research on the real St. Patrick. A lot of things said about St. Patrick that just aren't so. And I have a series of studies on the real St. Patrick. That's for St. Patrick's Day. I'll have one next year, Lord willing, for February, for the real St. Valentine. And um, of having that he did many, many weddings. I don't don't know the background for why he did so many weddings, but he's associated with marriage. Holy matrimony. Okay. so our marriages are changed, our, our relationship with our, with our wife has uh, changed, uh, our work has changed, we have holy careers. And uh, I, I've known people over the years who have thought that their job, whatever it was, they were serving God and doing their job. I think that way. I don't, I, don't, I don't work any differently in sermon preparation than I do in driving a truck both are holy tasks both are things that god has given me to do and i'll do it to the best of my ability and i thank the lord for my job i look at my checks when i get them Where, wherever the check's from i i feel that the lord signs my check um, obviously a person does and i got hired and whatever that's all true but i regard the work i do what wherever it is and whatever it is as a stewardship. That's why Paul said, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all the glory of God. If I have something to do and I can't do it to the glory of God, I don't do it. Well, what would you do? I'd quit. I'd find something else to do. And I'll tell you today, there is so much out there that needs to be done, you can almost have your pick. You know, oh, you're a heart surgeon? Yeah, sure, I'd take that. I can take care of that. <laughs> Just everybody's looking for somebody who's willing to do something. So, Our work is different. Our relationships are different. You know, when Dave Schroeder took the time to be my friend in high school and led me to Christ, that set in course in my life, uh, friendships and relationships with people, it's holy ground. And so whether it's marriage or career, uh, the work we do, or friendships we have with other people, uh, we're serving. We're serving the Lord in whatever it is we do. Social pressure and a sense of obligation is not the thing that will turn people into servants. God turns people into servants. He turns us into servants. And worship is the fuel that gets that thing gone. Now we go to transparency. Um, when Moses was told to take his shoes off, he was, he in, in essence, was symbolizing getting away from all pretense, all hoity-toity stuff, all hiding... He was opening up his life to be vulnerable. He's a servant and he's transparent. Um, what Moses did, you know, was just the opposite of what Adam did. Adam was covering up in the garden, he, you know, he hiding and, and, and obfuscating stuff. So, in, in contrast to what Adam did, Moses was transparent. And the whole conversation between God and Moses from this point on, is reminiscent of the Hebrews 4 passage that describes the word of God opening us up before him. It says, you know, the, uh, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, dividing asunder the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's opening us up. Uh, that's why in, in the Chinese church, my friends would say to me, and when, when we would pray together, they would pray about me releasing the, the word of God. And I, I had the picture that, that how they saw me was I got up here and, and just turned it loose. And that's a great picture of, of releasing the word of God. It opens us up. There's no creature that's not manifest in his sight. All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So so the imagery of the sandals off of transparency and the Hebrews passage, Hebrews 4, uh, fits together like a hand on a glove. Now, there are different ways of describing being transparent. Words like transparent, honest, authentic, real, honest, open, intimate, these all apply to our relationship uh, with, with the Lord and the way it's to be. Now, it needs to be noted that there is a a catalyst to our opening up. And the catalyst to our opening up is God told Moses, take your shoes off. He's telling him, you know, you're naked before me. The Hebrews 4 passage says it's God's word that opens us up. And um, this is holy nakedness. This is things that need to be acknowledged and admitted to before the Lord. I'm not talking about a a brashness of spirit. I'm not talking about, you know, I lived, one of the fun things of being old and getting older is you've lived through a lot of stuff. And some of you are way too young to know what I'm talking about now. But I lived through an honesty craze. The honesty craze was in the late 60s, early 70s, when people had sensitivity training and you'd you'd sit around a room and just say all kind of mean, nasty, terrible things to people in the room. And that was all in the name of being honest. And what you ended up with is you ended up with a lot of damaged people, things that shouldn't have been said in the first place. So I was not a fan of the honesty craze, (laughs) either then or now. There needs to be an honesty and a transparency that's true and right and good and the things that need to be said are exposed by Scripture as to what needs to be said, and that, that's how that's handled. I'm not talking about fleshly nakedness or brashness of spirit or, or anything like that. I'm talking about being honest and upfront, transparent, living that way and treating people that way. And worship is the thing that opens us up to live an honest life. The other night we talked in a board meeting about uh, things that are said uh, in a board meeting, and um, I, I use myself as an example, if, if my memory's right, that, that if there's something I'm doing that isn't working, isn't right, or you're seeing something that isn't appropriate, you need to tell me, you owe it to me, to, to help me see this. One of the great disappointments in my life is when I had the very unpleasant experience of describing to other church leaders a moral failure uh, in the life of another person. And when when I said, you need to know this, this is the truth, this is what's happened, uh, I think once or twice I was so well, I'm not surprised. And that made me mad. You're not surprised. if If you knew something wasn't right, you should have done something. You should have said something. I'm not surprised doesn't work with me. If there's something that isn't right, if we're transparent, if we're a community that loves each other, then we need to be honest and transparent. Not crude and rude and nasty and mean, just honest and and transparent. Now, worship gets us into that kind of thing because Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, where he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and it gets down through the Down to verse 5, he says, Woe is me, I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of lords. And then he gets down to the end of this experience with the Lord in worship. He says, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, who will go for us? And and Isaiah says, uh, uh, Then I said, Here am I, send me. So as we wait on the Lord in worship, we, we get... Urges, we get nudges, we get inclinations about something that may be in line for us to do, but it all comes out of us being transparent with the Lord and of being transparent with other people. Now, let me apply this to marriage. Um, I've all I said this before, so I'll make it quick. You know that when I was driving overnight. Uh, Erie to Pittsburgh, I made four people who loved me really, uh, they'd say in Lancaster County, Fehoots. They were fehoots with me. And um all four of them told me this nicely. And they did, they did. Um they're fehooutzed in a nice sort of way. And and then when Pam said she was going to pray, and I thought, yeah, you go ahead and pray. Then she prayed, and I got these two unsolicited invitations to do something else. Uh, I I saw the the writing on the wall. Now, all four of them could have said, it's none of our business, or I shouldn't shouldn't do this. They didn't. I'm glad that they all four um, gave me indications that they weren't happy with this, and something needed to change. Something did change, and I got something far better. So tell the truth. Tell the truth. It needs to be done kindly and in love, and all this kind of stuff. But transparency with God and transparency with people—this goes, this goes uh, together. Servanthood is part of this picture, but it's not the whole picture. The other half of the picture is this intimacy and closeness with God, where we're transparent with Him and that allows us to be transparent with other people. So the servanthood is with God, but that changes the way we work with people. The transparency is with God, but that changes the way we relate intimately and personally with those uh, closest to us. Well, every sermon should have three things. It should have something to know and understand. What I know and understand is that I am a servant of God, and God is God. And there's a distance between me and him that is respect for his holiness and for the holiness that comes into my life. And I know and understand that in order for this servanthood relationship to work, I need to be honest with God and transparent before him, not hiding. And this affects the way I relate to people as well. So I know and understand that. Now, I really believe that. I believe that My role as a servant, I believe I'm to live a transparent life. And I I can say that that's, they say, well, Arthur, what do you believe? Well, that's what I believe. Can't force that on you, but that's what I believe. Then every sermon should have something to do. And what I do with this, to the best of my knowledge, I do, out of servanthood to God, what I'm asked to do. So it doesn't matter whether I'm, pastor. It doesn't matter whether I'm a truck driver, a mechanic, or whatever. I'm serving the Lord by serving him and people. And it, and it all works good. good I knew a guy that ran a hardware store. His name is Mike. And uh, he's the only guy I was paying a bill to who said to me, while well, there's a long line of customers, Brother Art, pray for me. I really need prayer. So, I prayed for him. Tell me what it is, Mike. These people are standing behind. And I prayed for Brother Mike at the counter (laughs) in the hardware store. I have some crazy friends. I'm just telling you. They're wonderful people, but they're different. So we had a time of prayer. But when he would answer the phone at the hardware store, he'd say, this is Mike. How can I help? And the thing is, he really meant it. He really meant he wanted to help people. This is Mike, how can I help? And then you'd hear him explain, yeah, we got that, or we don't have that, or, or whatever. So how we live out our sermonhood and how we live out our transparency is the stuff we face every day. Am I going to tell the truth? Am I going to be honest about this? Or am I going to not say, you know, misguide, mislead, misinformation, or that? Or am I going to just tell you, tell you the truth? And we practice that day in and day out. So tomorrow, uh, when I get up, I forgot to tell you one thing. Tomorrow when I get up, we're going to leave town. We're leaving Spartansburg, just for a, just for time. We're going down to visit the relatives and friends, the 96-year-old sister. But I would like to think, and next Sunday, uh, I've been exempted from the candidating process. I don't get involved with the team that puts together what you're doing. I've been allowed to give at the request of the district to tell them things I think are important. The work of the ministry is the work of the ministry. And and there's nothing wrong with talking about how the work can be done, ought to be done, should be done, or whatever. So we've talked a lot about the whole deal of ministry, but I'm, I'm not in the process. So it's an ideal time to go see my 96-year-old sister and... Um, uh, the 17-year-old uh, birthday party and all these other people between here and there. But when I get up, this all started with me saying, when I get up tomorrow morning and leave Spartansburg, it, nothing is any different. My role is to serve the Lord and serve people based on this study, and my, my way of carrying that out is to be honest and transparent with God and with the people I meet. I'm going to... Have a get together with my high school class at Owl's Pizza in the Summerdale Plaza at one thirty Thursday afternoon. It's a big day. I can't wait to see my classmates <laughs> from high school, and uh, we'll have a good time. But it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm a servant, and I'm wanting to be transparent with the people uh, who, who I'm around. Let's pray. Our Father God, it's, it's easy to talk about being a servant, and sometimes it's more difficult than, than others. Uh, we want to be a people who are marked by servanthood and marked by honest, transparent living, so that our, book, our life is a book open to all to see, and hopefully they see you. And uh, we thank you for this opportunity to release your word and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.